Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We're so glad you've joined us for this week's podcast. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a series entitled Hope Rising. The best is yet to come. Here's Dr. Kelly with this week's podcast. How are we doing? We good? Welcome to New Hope Church. I know I welcomed you earlier, but if you're a guest, I just really want to make sure you leave today today knowing that you're welcomed. And I also want to look at all of our other campuses, and I want to welcome those campuses, and I want to let you know that I'm really, really, really looking forward to being at your campus. Hey, church, I want you to pray for us. I've asked you to pray for me a lot these days, and I really need it. Starting this coming Thursday, we are beginning what you might call the, the New Hope Tour. So I want to say to the campuses, check it out, Columbia, coming your way Thursday night. Thursday night, October 2nd at 6.30 p.m. I will be there, my wife with me. North Raleigh, we're coming your way a week from today. October 5th, 5.30 p.m. in the afternoon. Garner Camus, looking forward to the Water Tower Town coming October 7th at 6.30 p.m. The very next day, October 8th, going to be at the Sanford campus at 6.30 p.m. Then I'm going to be at Central Campus. We have a volunteer. Now listen, if you serve our church in any kind of capacity, we have a volunteer vision party night on October 10th at 7.30 p.m. We're going to be talking about hope rising and celebrating and appreciating the volunteers. And then everyone else, listen closely because we're trying to create these environments where everybody can get all their questions answered. Everybody can lean in and really learn what Hope Rising is all about. And like I just preached in that message last week, the power of participation, we can all participate. So we are having town halls at all campuses a week from today, October 5th, where we're just inviting anyone and everyone who has any questions or any desire whatsoever about Hope Rising to meet us immediately following the last worship celebration. That is a week from today. Because we are trying, again, to get everybody here, everybody to participate in Hope Rising. So what that means is I'm talking to you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. I know you hate that. I know you hate that. I'm going to stop that stuff sooner or later. Some of you come from churches where you love that. Um, but I, like I, I, a woman caught me in the, in the rotunda a few weeks ago, and she gave me this, this phrase, these play on words that I just thought it was genius. She says, whenever we're trying to get a group of people involved in 100% participation, people can create what she called, again, it's her words, not mine. She said, people can create terminal uniqueness and what she meant by that and i just love it i'm going to eat this up she she said what what she meant by that is you can be speaking to a whole group and everybody can start to assume that you're talking to everybody but them oh i'm 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 terminally unique i'm i'm so glad he's challenging everybody else but he he's not challenging me and i'm talking to you every single one of you it's the power of of participation. If you're brand new around here, listen to me closely. We are in an eight-week campaign called Hope Rising. Called what? The best is yet to come. We are in week three, Hope Rising. The best is yet to come. Give you a little bit of the details. We are going at our vision to reach, teach, and release like we never have before. We're doing reach at all of the campuses. We're doing teach here at Central Campus. I'll talk more about that later. We're doing release into the mission field and serving the least of these like we have never done before. Our goal is around $8.5 million. It's a little north of eight, but we've just been saying eight to keep it simple. $8 million. I come today, listen, to give you one of the most amazing God thing miracles I've ever shared at New Hope Church your pastors and staff got away on Wednesday. Remember last Sunday, I asked you to pray for us. 
We were away all day on Wednesday. We prayed together. We studied the Word together. We played all kind of funs together. We enjoyed some delicious food together. We worshiped again. We preached again. We shared. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we came forward and gathered around the communion table. And this Wednesday, I'm here to let you know that your pastors and staff of this church, I'm talking 15 part-timers, 22 full-timers pledged $300,000 to Hope Rising. Come on, church. I have never, ever, ever been more proud of the pastors and staff of this church. Guys, if you do the math, that's 37 people. Like some of you, you might be a little skeptical. You know, you kind of lean toward the glass being half empty. You're going, well, $300,000, that's nothing compared to $8 million. Come on, hold. can I talk to you, sir? You and me right here. <laughs> Do the math. I did it. 37 people, part-time staff too, some of them, pledging $300,000. If you were here a few weeks ago, I told you that we have 2,600 active giving families. How many? 2,600. If you take $300,000 and just divide it by 37 and take the average gift that we staff are leading the way with Hope Rising, if you do the math and you multiply that average by 2,600 giving families in the church at all of our campuses, do you know how much money we will raise during Hope Rising? Not $8 million. Let me make sure I give you the exact number because I did the math. We will raise $21,080,800 to the kingdom of God, to the vision to reach people for Jesus, teach them the Bible. And release fully devoted followers of Christ. And I'm not changing it up. I'm not saying our goal is 21. I'm just letting you know that your pastors and your staff will never ask you to do anything that we're not willing to do ourselves. That would be called hypocrisy. And I've never been more proud of a group of pastors and staff who said, let's go. Let's lead the way and some of them are so stretching and I'm just wondering and I'm taking me out of the equation for a moment I'm just wondering if you with me would just thank them once again for being leaders who lead the way <laughs> leaders who lead the way unbelievable now let's go get this today because oh yeah and by the way by the way this is very very important the rest of the day two things you need to know about this day I personally believe it is the most important Sunday of Hope Rising for you to understand what Hope Rising is about. I personally believe that if you walk out of here today and you fully understand what I talk about today, you will understand who I am as a pastor and what Hope Rising is all about. Here's the second thing you need to know. I will not mention money another time today. That's important for you to know. Because hope rising, though there is a financial component to it, it is all about what I talk about today. Which will not be dollars and cents. So here's my question to you. When you think about New Hope Church, what names, what faces come to mind? When you think about this church at all of our campuses and you think about New Hope, you know, your experience of New Hope, what names, what faces come to mind? Is it the people that you kind of run into at the cafe all the time out here getting your latte? Is it the people that you sit near? I know it is. I mean, you think about them, right? You should. Is, is, it, is it the person that tends to, you, you run into them in the parking lot, right? And, and, and they cut you off and, you, you, you know, you, you think about giving them the table for one sign, but you decide you're in the church parking lot and you shouldn't? When you think about this church, what names and what faces come to mind? I want to let that settle in for a moment. Here's my second question. When God thinks about New Hope Church, what names, what faces come to mind? 
Now, we can't figure out the mind of Christ. I'm not saying that we can, but just ponder that for a moment. When God, and God is sovereign, and God is omnipotent, and God can look down on His church universal at the same time, but when God particularly looks at, thinks about New Hope Church, which I think He does, and I hope and pray we put a smile across His face when He does, amen? When He looks down upon New Hope Church, what names, what faces do you think cross the mind of God? I think yours does. If you're a part of New Hope Church, of course, I think your name, your story, your face, God thinks about, God, God loves, God understands. But, but here's the second thing that I don't think we think about enough, and here's where I'm going today. I think God thinks about the names and the faces and the stories of those who are not here yet and yet who He wants us to reach for the gospel. I think when God looks down upon New Hope Church, yes, He sees my face and name and story and yours too, but I think God is equally obsessed, if you will, consumed, if you will, with the names and the faces and the stories of the people who are not here yet. What we might call the missing. To get us into that, I want to tell you a frightening story. God bless Chuck E. Cheese, man. I got five kids, man. I, I've done more Chuck E. Cheese than any human being on the planet should ever do. Parents, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I, listen, the first 15 times I enjoyed Chuck E. freaking cheese. <laughs> After that, I would indulge my children and walk up. And I said to God many times as I made my way into Chuck E. Cheese, God, you can just take me out right now. <laughs> just go ahead. God, I'm done. I mean, God, God you, I, I'm ready to come see you, Lord. I'm, I mean, Chuck E. Cheese, man. And if, you've never, if you haven't been to Chuck E. Cheese, by way of hands, this would be fascinating to me. How many of you have never been to Chuck E. Cheese? You are some of the most blessed people on the planet. <laughs> well, a couple years ago, man, we were at Chuck E. Cheese, you know, about the... 28th time probably and uh, we're in there man and we're having the fun time and and all my kids and my wife and we're doing the whole Chuck E. Cheese thing right my kids are a little competitive I don't know where they get that from they must get it from their mother um, but they love them some Chuck E. Cheese and they always compete to see how many coupons they can get at the end from all the games that they won and 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 all of a sudden I looked at Amy Lynn and Amy Lynn looked at me and parents you'll get this we locked eyes and we had that that moment that conversation that you can have with your spouse after you've been married so long whereby you don't need any words and she looked at me and I looked at her and we then scanned the room and we thought this at the very same time where 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 is Caleb Caleb is my fourth born boy Caleb and we started you know, thinking, where is Caleb? And some of you parents, like, you freak out at anything. I mean, like, your kid falls and gives a little boo-boo. Ah! But, but we're, <laughs> we're not like that, man. We're like, after you have a few, it's like, yeah, whatever, you know. Uh, <laughs> so it's like, you know, the first time, it's like, whatever, you know, where's Caleb? And so I didn't freak out. I'm just telling you, I didn't freak out. I just walked around with Chuck E. Cheese. And I walked around, and I looked for Caleb, and I looked in toys and in the, the, the kind of games you can crawl up in, you know. I, I looked, and I walked around. And the first time I walked around, I was like, dang, man, where's Caleb, right? And then Amy Lynn looked at me, and she made a lap, and no Caleb. And second lap, you know, the heart starts to quicken a little bit, you know, and we kind of get a little more intense, and we walk around, and, and there's no Caleb. And I'm still not melting down yet, because so I, I thought, hey, maybe he went to the bathroom. So I went to the bathroom. In the bathroom, no Caleb. I walk back out, and I'm freaking out by this point in time. I'm like, where is Caleb? By about the fourth, fifth lap around Chuck E. Cheese, I'm pushing people out of the way. You know what I'm saying? Where's my boy? And if you know anything about Chuck E. Cheese, they put a little, they swap you with a little colored thing so that if you put it up under a light, it glows. And it's so nobody can take your kid and that sort of thing. After the fifth light, after the fifth lap, I decided, well, maybe he's out in the parking lot. So I busted through. You're supposed to kind of like slip your hand under there before you go out. Forget that. I busted into the parking lot. And I'm walking around and I'm looking all over the place for Caleb. And I'm starting to get frantic now, right? No Caleb, where is my son? Ran back in there. Amy Lynn's freaking out. By this point in time, we couldn't hide it from my other four children anymore. They're freaking out. Where's Caleb? I made two more laps around Chuck E. Cheese, and I'm telling you, sweat was pouring off of me. I was freaking out. Somebody took my boy. At which I made one more lap around, and there was a car game over in the corner of Chuck E. Cheese, and Caleb is up in there racing, baby. 
And I came to him and I had two thoughts. (laughs) Son, I brought you into this world. I will take you out if you ever do that again. And my second thought was, come here, boy. And I just hugged him and kissed him. And he's like, Dad, what's your problem, dude? I'm racing, man. We calmed down. They got all their coupons. We ate the cardboard pizza. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Got into the car. And on the way home, man, on the way home, we live in Chapel Hill. This is in Durham. On the way home, Spirit spoke to my heart. And it was as if God whispered to me in the midst of our car with all the kids. It was as if that still small voice spoke to my heart. Benji, the same way in which you are that passionate about one of your children when he or she is lost, I am passionate about my children who are still lost on planet Earth. I have the same passion and the same intensity and I will not rest until every lost person has a chance to hear the gospel. What I want to do with you today is very simply this. Luke 19.10. Jesus said this. Will you read it out loud with me? Ready? Go. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save I want you to read it again because this has to settle into your spirit. Go. For the Son of Man came to and to the Jesus. When he was asked to sum it all up, college students, give me the footnotes, if you will. You know what I mean? He said, I have come with the sole purpose of seeking and saving the lost. In the very first gospel of John chapter 1, it talks about Jesus being the word that became life, full of grace and truth. In John 3.16, that most popular verse in the Bible, Jesus said, For God so loved what the, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not what perish, go to hell, but have everlasting life. Matthew 28, Jesus said, Go into the world. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always. The meta-narrative that flows throughout the entire biblical narrative is that God is on a life-saving mission to save the missing. That is what Hope Rising is all about. If you understand that, you will understand why I've never been so amped up in my entire life for a season that we're about to step in. If you will understand that, you will understand why the last thing you would ever want to do is miss out on what God is about to do in the life of our church. We're in Luke 19. Turn over to Mark 2 if you want. But in Mark 2, we see another very telling passage. Jesus is teaching and he's healing and he's teaching and he's mesmerizing and crowds are coming to him. And then he heals a paralytic on a pallet, if you will. And and then Levi, remember Levi? Levi, who was Matthew, the tax collector, remember? Now, I don't know about you. I don't know if you know this, but in the biblical days, they hated tax collectors. Some things never change. (laughs) Right, right? And so Jesus starts to hang out with Matthew. Peter, the religious one, says, Oh no, Peter, you can't be seen with a tax collector. You you can't be seen, Jesus, with the lowest of the low life. Jesus says this. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the, help me out, it is not the what? Who need a... Now just stop right there for a moment. It's not the healthy who need a doctor. (laughs) My boy Pastor Fuller right here. Didn't need a doctor a few weeks ago. 
till he thought he was 28 again and hit the basketball court. Now he's jacked up and he needs a doctor and some medication. Sorry, bro. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the, but the sick, but the injured. I have not come to call the... But what? Do you see it? And the religious people were like, no, 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 Jesus, you got that wrong. And by the day's end, listen to the Jesus is at Matthew's house, arm around him, hanging out. Here's my boy. You all hate him, but... But here's my boy. The point I'm trying to make is, listen, the church of Jesus Christ is to be made up of the well, yes, but the broken. Listen to me, church. If we ever cease to have broken people in here, we will have broken Jesus' church. Tweet that. If we ever, as a church, cease to have broken, broken, jacked up people in the walls of our church, any of our campuses, we will have broken the church that Jesus came to establish because Jesus came not for the healthy, but for those who need a doctor. He came not for the righteous, but sinners. The church is not a museum for saints. Hello, but a hospital for sinners. The church is not a museum for the holy rollers. The holy rollers are up in there. Amen. Thank God for that. But the church is to be made up of the holy rollers and the unrighteous and the righteous and the sinners and the broken and the needy and the black and the white and the orange and the yellow and the rich and the poor and the middle class. The church is to be made up Of everybody. And the moment we cease to understand that, the moment we cease to go after the missing, is the moment we will have broken the church and given the bride of Christ a black eye. This is what Hope Rising is all about. This is what this church is all about. If the church ever ceases to have what? We will have what? Broken the church. Here, here's what you need to know. As I study churches around the world, and most of you know, before I started New Hope 12 years ago, I was in a Beeson program up in Kentucky, and I was uh, given a scholarship to travel around the world, study the best of the best churches, life-changing experience. I don't think New Hope would be what it is today if I did not have that experience. Here's what I came to discover as I studied churches around the world. The greatest churches in the world always have a heart. Like God's heart for the missing. Those are the kingdom advancing churches. Those are the ones that are truly making a difference in the world. Those are the ones who do everything they can possibly do to remind everybody within the walls of that church. Listen to me. We exist for the people who are not even here yet. We exist for the missing. And we're going to do everything we can do to keep our hearts tender toward lost people. We're going to do everything we can do to remind one another we shall never, ever, ever become a holy huddle, us four no more. Can I just, can I just break it down for you a little bit more in terms of hope rising? Thank you, but let me, just, let me just break this down a little bit more. Listen. Hope rising is about our vision to reach, teach, and release. Got it? Reach, teach, and release. The reach component of Hope Rising, and if you haven't studied the Hope Rising booklet, please read every word from start to finish. But in the Hope Rising booklet, we talk about reach. It's all about what God is calling us to do at our campuses. So if I just kind of unpack that a little bit more for the sake of all of our campuses and for those of us here at Central, if we don't go about Hope Rising, if we don't bust out some walls and create space for these campuses that are thriving. If we don't upgrade our technology to do church in a way that is 
commensurate with the 21st century and is excellent to the glory and honor of God, if some of these campuses don't reduce some debt, if some of these campuses don't step out and move because God is calling them to move locations, if some of these campuses don't do all that the reach component entails in hope rising, listen to me very carefully, they and we are basically saying to everyone who lives in and around those geographical locations, you can die and go to hell. We don't care. And, and, and I'm not trying to be melodramatic. Like, I believe this. Think about teach. I mean, look around. Hello. If we don't bust out that wall, and if we don't bust out that wall, and if we don't expand our worship seating capacity here, And if we don't fly a balcony in to sit more people, and if we don't double our parking lot, if we, in other words, if we don't stop having a traffic jam back to South Point Mall on Sunday mornings, the city officials are not happy with us. If we don't double our parking, if we don't double our children's ministry space, if we don't triple our office space so we can hire staff and be ahead of the curve, if we don't do all of that, this teach, remember teaches about Durham campus, if we don't do that, I believe deep in the core of my being what we are saying to those who live around us in Durham, North Carolina is we're okay, we're full, we've got critical mass, we've got momentum, the rest of you can die and go straight to hell. Reaches the campuses, teaches Central Durham campus. Let's think about release for a moment. If if we don't go into the mission field and continue to, to sponsor and adopt entire villages in Bohok, Haiti and beyond in Haiti and in Kiria, Kenya and beyond in Nairobi and Thika Town where we just launched our most recent campus. If we don't go into those areas and dig deep water wells so that little children and families don't die from contaminated water, if we don't continue to sponsor orphanages and Christian schools who've rescued little precious children from the streets of the slums, if we don't say, hey, we've been, we've been changed, we've been marked forever, we will never go back to the old way, if we don't do this, I believe we're saying to the men and the women and the children of Haiti and Kenya and wherever else God leads us, we're just a bunch of fat Americans and you can die and go to hell over there. This is what Hope Rising is all about. This is about us stepping into the heart of God This is about us understanding that if we don't do it, who will? This is about us understanding to whom much is given to the church, who much is given, much is required. This is about us understanding, not on my watch. I know the world might be jacked up, but the world's going to be a better place because God let me live in the 21st century. Come on, church. Come on, church. This is about us saying together, we know the world might be jacked up. And some of you are here, you're kind of wrestling with me right now. And here's what you're thinking. You see, you've bought the lie. You've bought the lie that is in the water we drink in the 21st century in the Western world. You've bought the lie and here's the lie. There's not really a hell. You've bought the lie. There's not a heaven. There's not a hell. This is all we see. This is all we live for. Or, this is what's very popular today, we believe there's a heaven, but we don't want to buy into all that hell stuff. And I want to stop by and let you know that even though we might not like the idea of hell, I surely don't. I've got family members who if they don't come to faith in Christ, they will spend eternity in hell. I don't like the fact that hell is reality, but this Bible says there is a heaven and there is a hell and real people go there. 
And our job, our job is to be a church that will do everything we can do while we still have breath in our lungs to rescue people from the grips of hell. Here's what you need to know about this pastor. You can have your churches with choirs and incense and robes and 17th century King Elizabethan language. You can have your churches with steeples and bells. But as for me, I want to lead a movement of people just a yard from hell. People who are going to do everything they can do to save lost people. Hope rising is about the missing church. It is about you and I understanding that our purpose in the world is to be about redeeming planet earth. That's what it's about. And so I want to ask you a question as I start to wrap up. Here it is. Would you write that down? Would you write that down in your Bible or on your teaching notes? Who is on your missing list? Like for real. Who's on your missing list that you're praying for? Is it your neighbor? Is it your colleague? Is it a family member? Is it a spouse? This is where it'll start to get a little tender in here and probably a little heavy. Because some of you have been praying for lost people for years. Some of you have been praying for spouses for decades. Some of you have been praying for prodigal children who are in the far country. Don't you give up on them. No one is ever beyond the reach of God, church. No one is ever beyond the reach of God. God has not given up on them. You don't give up on them. Who's on your missing list? Here's another question. Who has God strategically positioned you near so that you can help me out? What's that phrase? A little bit louder, so that you can... In that relationship, and God can use you to bring them to faith in Jesus. We call it the invest and invite. Here's what invest and invite is. It is about you and me living our lives so much with a heart toward lost people that we befriend them, that we actually do life with lost people. We actually are not afraid to rub shoulders with people who might not look like us, people who might not smell like us, people who might look like us and might smell like us, but when they put their head down on the pillow at night, there is a chasm in their soul because they are lost. And we build redemptive relationships with them. And when the moment is right, we invite them to a new hope environment where the Spirit of God moves. I hopefully preach the word and salvation happens. Now listen to me closely. This is what happened. This is what we just learned with our survey. And by the way, thank you for doing the survey. Remember the survey about a month or so ago? Remember, we asked you to please do it, and our survey company said, hey, if you have 200 people, you will be far above the national average. If you get 200 people to fill out the survey, we will get all the information we need. I came by to let you know today. I'm so stinking proud of you. 700-plus people filled out the survey. 700 of you went online and filled out the survey. Do you know what we found out about this? We found out what we thought was true, and that is, listen to me very closely, the way in which people are coming to faith in Christ through new hope, the way in which God is growing this church, mainly, primarily, is a result of you investing and inviting your friends here. It's you. The second way... You're not going to believe this. Second way, television and mailers. Third, right up there with second, is the magnets. (laughs) Slap a magnet on your car. It's right in the seat in front of you. Slap a magnet on the car of your lost neighbor. Maybe, kind of, I don't know. Might work. The survey showed us the very same thing this church growth Uh, Institute did 75% of the 4,000 converts 
75% of the 4,000 converts studied in 2013 by the Church Growth Institute indicated that friends and or relatives had invited them to Christ. 75% of the 4,000 converts that this reputable Church Growth Institution studied declared that people come to faith when they have friends around them that invite them to church. Studies show us time and time again, people will come to church if they are invited by someone who they know loves them and cares for them. Who's on your missing list? Like for real. Who in your sphere of influence is lost and facing a Christless eternity and you're praying for and you're building a relationship with? I want to tell you something that's new that's coming down the pipe for our church. And it's brand new. I'm very, very excited to announce this to you. But here's what I'm going to do. About four or five times a year, I'm going to give you a date. And I'm going to give you that date far in advance. And on that day when it rolls around, I am going to do my very best to preach the gospel message of Jesus Christ. You know what I'm talking about, right? The gospel message, the salvation message. I am going to do my best to preach the very best gospel-centered message that connects with lost people. And we're going to be praying together in partnership as that date gets closer and closer and closer. And I'm going to ask you to do everything you can possibly do to invite your friends your neighbors, your colleagues, whatever the case may be. And we're going to partner together and you're going to do everything you can do to get them here. And on that Sunday, I'm going to preach the gospel. And I'm telling you, I I believe in my spirit, we're going to see salvation numbers go through the roof around this church because we're going to be far more strategic. Now, I will still give invitations wherever the spirit leads and whenever the spirit leads on Sunday morning. So every Sunday is a good morning to bring a friend. Amen? But I'm going to tell you about dates like this. Salvation weekend, November 16th. By the way, this is what the traditional church calls. Some of you grew up hearing about this. This is what the traditional church called bring a friend weekend. You guys remember that? Bring a friend, right? Normally had fellowship dinners afterwards and covered dishes. We need to get us some of that. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> get to a point where you're almost too big to do a covered dish, man. That stinks. Babe, but if we got to give it up to reach more people, we will. Amen. Amen. Salvation weekend, November what? You got it. Mark your calendar. November 16th. You start inviting and you do everything you can to bring your pre-Christian lost people to church. And we're going to partner for the gospel of Christ. So here's where we're going to get crazy. I'm going to ask you to do something crazy today. For those of you who are kind of neat freaks, man, you're tidy. This is going to mess you up. You're going to be jacked up about this for a week. At all the campuses, we're going to do this as well. I'm going to invite you to get out of your seats in a moment. And I'm going to invite you to go to the sidewalls. Look at all the names that are already there from the first service. I'm going to invite you to take a permanent marker. Permanent? (laughs) Sharpie, baby. And I'm going to ask you to write the names on your missing list. I'm going to ask you to humble yourself. Say, God, here's my list. I'm praying over this list. I'm trusting you, God, to use me to build a redemptive relationship with that person. It might be the person who gets on your last nerve. I'm talking about heaven and hell. It might be the person that in your weakest moment you think, I wish they would go to. Don't pray that ever. And we're going to have you move. And I'm going to sign off to the campuses because they're going to do it differently. And the campus pastors are going to let the campuses know exactly what they are supposed to do there at the campus. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to start writing down the names right now. Just write them down in your Bible. Write them down in your notes. I want you to watch this powerful video from a woman named Brenda Coy. 
Brenda, as I watched this this week, it wrecked me. This story is unbelievable. But this story not only represents a life change that happened in Sanford, this story, in my opinion, represents all the Brendas that are still out there left for us to reach. And when this video is over, I will come back out and explain the logistics at, at this particular campus and the campus pastors will do for their campuses. But who's on your missing list? Campuses, who's on your missing list? I love you guys. I'm going to turn it back over to your worship teams and your campus pastors after this video. But the rest of us, check it out. God has always been faithful to me, even when I wasn't faithful to Him. I grew up in West Virginia with a large family. There were six kids. Had a relatively normal family life on the surface. What nobody knew was my dad was a very abusive alcoholic, except to me. He cheated on my mom through their whole marriage, and he eventually left her and us kids for somebody else. But when he left, my brothers picked up in his place and they started abusing me. It just got so bad, I ran away from home. When I turned 18, I went back to my mom's place expecting to be turned away, but she didn't. She accepted me with open arms. I told her I'd spend the rest of our lives making it up to her, and I really tried. I eventually met my first husband and married him. We got pregnant within a year. I was ecstatic, excited to have my little girl. A few years later, I had a miscarriage. At that time, they found that I had cervical cancer, and they told me that I would never be able to get pregnant again. But on the slight chance that I did, I'd have to abort. And then my mother was diagnosed with terminal lung cancer. That was a very dark day for me. She was my best friend. I couldn't fathom losing my mom. I quit my job moved her in with me, was taking care of all of her needs. But I decided that when she left this earth, I was going to go with her. I didn't want to be here without my mom. I know I had a daughter, but I, I made sure that I had family members in place that could take care of her after I was gone. God had different plans for me. I ended up pregnant with my son. My mom passed away, and I had a healthy 10-pound, two-ounce baby boy that was God's way of keeping me alive, giving me a reason to live. My son is my miracle child. My husband was abusive. He cheated on me all the time. I was done. I couldn't take any more, so I left him. Raising two kids on my own, got a really good-paying job in a factory. It was hard manual work, but I, I did well at it. It was a Friday. I had worked really hard that day, but when I left work, my back was hurting really bad. That Saturday morning has to be the scariest moment of my life. I could not feel anything from the waist down. I knew I needed help. I didn't understand what had happened to me. And I remember literally rolling till I got to the edge of the bed and I plopped down to the floor, used my elbows to scoop myself along the floor and down the hallway to get to the phone to call for help. I was so scared. It took three years to finally get the surgery that I needed. When I woke up from that surgery, there was nothing in the right leg, and I was getting very upset. I started to cry, and then when he touched my toes, I about came up out of bed because I felt it. I didn't feel a whole lot in that leg, but I felt some. So I've had to take many different injections in order to keep my one leg going. Several states got some bad batches of steroid injections. By getting those bad injections, it, you developed E. coli. I ended up in the hospital. It got really bad. My BP dropped completely, bottomed out. They thought they'd lost me, but they brought me back. They also found that I had several suspicious cancerous spots on both of my kidneys, large spots. So that was a double whammy. I came out of the E. coli finally, 
They said it would take a couple months to get the, make sure the E. coli was gone before they could do biopsies on, my, on those spots in the kidneys to, to see exactly if it was cancer or not. I finally went back two months later, and when I went, I was clear that there was no, no spots and no cancer. After the E. coli and the cancer scare, as with all of my other hardships and trials, I thanked God, I turned to God, but then always something else would happen and I would lose my faith again and I would stray away from God. What I never did was give God all the credit that He deserved for everything that He did for me. I kept thinking, why? Why me? I ended up getting completely down again. I spent 14 months unable to walk. The pain was unbearable. And then one day, I decided it was time that I got serious with my faith. I buried myself in my Bible. Scripture after scripture, I stayed in the Bible. And I thought, well, you know, this is the only option I have. And shortly after that, I got referred to a neurosurgeon I never heard of. And he said, I can't fix you, but I can help you. And he did. And after all this time, I've gone from being in a wheelchair to walking on two forearm crutches to now just walking with a cane. My daughter got a flyer in the mail announcing the opening of North Raleigh campus. She had been going for a couple months and she kept telling me, Mom, you've really got to come check out this church. I ended up coming to the Sanford campus here. Everybody here showed me so much love. It's just been a phenomenal turnaround for me. I've joined a phenomenal life group, serve on first contact. I've been on a mission trip. I've never been in such an open, loving, accepting church before in my life. When I know Sunday's coming around, that is the happiest and most excited day of the week for me. I cannot wait to get to New Hope Church. I just knew that I was finally on the path that God had intended for me to be on. I honestly think that everything that I have gone through is God's plan because I am meant to go out and reach the lost souls and let them know what a miraculous God we have. So with hope rising, watch out, here I come. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you We'll carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I am Brenda Coy, and I believe that the best is yet to come. If you connect the dots and hear that story and what I've tried my best to declare to you today, you should know beyond a shadow of a doubt what Hope Rising is about. It's about a church that will never, ever, ever cease pursuing God's vision on the planet. People ask me from time to time, well, aren't you ready to coast some, Pastor? When do you think, when do you think we're going to be done here? Here it is. Are you ready? Here it is. We will be done as a church. When you can look me in the eye and I can look you in the eye and we can declare with unequivocal truth that there's not a single person in and around any of our campuses who do not need Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their lives. And we still have a long way to go. And so I want to invite you in just a moment to get up and here's how we're going to do this. This section over here, you're going to go to that wall. That wall. If you write on the back wall or the front wall, the ushers have been instructed to take you out. Can we? Why are we writing on the side walls, church? Because those walls are going bye-bye in a year. This section here, you will go at the same time. Far left, you're right, over here. The ushers are positioned there with baskets of markers. 
I want to ask you to come out and come to the front and circle around this way. And they will then let you go down the wall. And there's a strip of tape. Can we lift the lights up a little bit, please? There's a strip of tape on both side walls. That is for you to know to write below the tape. Not on the acoustic sound panels. A good thing to do, and this was powerful in the last service. This is powerful. You might, you might get down on a knee and just humble yourself. And write that person's name. Is it an aunt, an uncle, a spouse, a child, a neighbor, a colleague, a long-lost friend that you just still keep in touch with on Facebook, but you know they're lost as they can be? Write one name, two names, three names, four names, five names. You might have ten names. It doesn't matter. And when this section is done and this section is done, listen to me. You're next. And here's what you do. You... You come down front here. Please come down front. They're going to give you markers and they're going to stack you in down the walls and the band's going to play. And when they're done, you're next. And you go here. And just think about how cool it's going to be for the next year to come in here and there are names on the wall of those we're praying for. Think about what it could be to one day be able to walk in here and say to me or say to a friend, see that name right there? They're now saved and a born again child of God. See, see that name right there? They're now leading a life group in our church. See, see that name right there? That, that's who's up on the stage singing right now to the glory of God. See that name right there? She just led a missions trip to Kenya. Can you get a vision for what it would look like to see God start to use us to save the names and the souls that are represented on our walls of this worship center? Father, we love you. Speak to us, God. Give us hope. Give us faith to rise from our seats and write down names, God, of people that you're putting on our hearts right now. For some of us, God, we're going to write down names of people we've been praying for for years. God, I wrote down my father's name. 25 years I've been praying for him but I still believe that one day one day he's going to come to believe in you Lord my brother Sean a coach that I'm coaching with right now for little league youth football A next door neighbor. God, I believe. Use us to redeem this sin-scarred planet to the glory and the honor of Jesus. And this we pray in his name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at newhopenc.org. If you have any prayer requests, please send those to prayers at newhopenc.org. And our pastors and staff will stand with you in prayer. We hope you'll join us next week. God bless and thank you for being a part of our church family.